I'm Sugar Ray Leonard, and we run this station. Welcome into We Run This Station, part of the Uninterrupted Podcast Network. I'm Rick Strom. I'm Britton Harden. When you think of Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and the hitman Tommy Hearns, there's only one name that comes to mind. Sugar Ray Leonard. He burst onto the scene at the 1976 Olympics where he won a gold medal. He's one of only five men to win a world championship at five different weight classes. A Hall of Famer and one of the stars of the upcoming documentary, I Am Duran. We are going to be joined by Sugar Ray Leonard and Mr. Britt. An incredible conversation. The stories that we heard from him were ones that truly have never been heard before. So you're going to want to listen in. To his credit, and one of the things that I told him when we spoke that I really enjoy about his interviews is that he takes you into the ring with him, right? He takes you into battle. He really knows how to encapsulate and then present what the mindset of a fighter has to be when he's going into a championship fight against, you know, your toughest opposition to date. Um, I don't think I've heard any boxer, aside from maybe Andre Ward, take you into that narrative as clearly as Sugar Ray Leonard, man. He's, he's so sharp. One other beautiful thing about even the sport of boxing that was a reflection of the sort of person that he is, the manifestation of how he despised Roberto Duran. Despised. How Roberto Duran gave his wife Juanita the finger. What he said to Sugar Ray Leonard and Sugar Ray Leonard's wife. And now the manifestation of three fights and a beautiful friendship that they have yep. that he outlines yep. shows that, yes, it is a sport. Sometimes it is more than a sport. But these are human beings that are competing as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So without further ado, listen in as the gloves come off here on the Uninterrupted Podcast Network with Sugar Ray Leonard. How I like to view a lot of things is we learn something new every single day. And maybe we reflect on what we just learned when our head hits the pillow at night. Considering that you knew Roberto Duran inside and out, with the documentary that's coming up, I Am Duran, after sitting through the interviews and then seeing the final product, is there something you learned that you didn't previously know? That's a very good question, being that I used to hate that son of a, you know, I used yeah. to hate it. I, used to, <laughs> I we, can imagine. We, you can we, say it. No, that, that <laughs> son of a bitch. We, no, I mean, I didn't like Roberto Duran. He he insulted me. He insulted my wife. That's a no-no. Um, you know, and I try to hurt him. I try to hurt him bad, which, looking back in retrospect, the first fight back in 19... 19- 80, June of 1980 in Montreal, um, he took me out of my game plan. He made me fight my his fight. And i tell you something, guys. Uh, people don't realize this and don't give Durant as much credit as he deserves, but he was a small man fighting, fighting in a big division, a big weight class, welterweight. Weight, welterweight is 147. Roberto Durant was 130-ish. And he hit me so hard. I tell you, I've never been hit like that in the fashion. He was Tasmanian devil. Um, but he beat me mentally. So he taught me something that was very valuable for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say that he was a Tasmanian devil, 
something that I saw that he did, and Britton knows this as well, as well as anybody that I've come across that really knows the sport, which is he would throw so many uppercuts on the inside. Yeah. So many, just pounding, thunderous uppercuts. Is that something that you learn to box against for the second fight? It, it wasn't necessarily the, the uppercuts, although those punches did hurt me and they rocked me bad. I mean, I was in trouble a number of times on a number of occasions in that fight. It was just he punched with such conviction. He punched with such hatred mm. because they they kind of resented me. They meaning, you know, the other fighters, Hearns, Hagler, Durant. Rightfully so. I, I do understand the fact that they made $100, maybe $100 a round when they fought. I made forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 my first professional fight. I mean, but I, I was also a gold medal winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back to that, these guys were trying to take what I had. Yeah. And that's, that's created that, that, that flair, that, mm-hmm. that anger, man. Yeah. That additional power on those punches. Duran was a beast. A beast. And now, I would never fathom. I could never think that I could be friends with him <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> But you know what? And I love this man. This man, again, this man made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, seems, or one of the guys. It's, it seems like you walked away from that fight under, with an understanding of two things. One, you could take a punch, right? Because I believe the mm-hmm. the talk building up to that was that you were just a pretty boy. Mm-hmm. You couldn't take a punch. You couldn't be in a in a beat 'em up, drag out fight. You proved to yourself and to the the boxing world that one, you could take a punch. And that, too, like you said before, he taught you that boxing is more than physical. It's a mental game, too. And I feel like you implemented that more so. You flipped it on his head in the second fight. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to give him a punch. I mean, I didn't want to take a punch. Because uh, his punches were like like a like a sledgehammer. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't doing that intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But it was just the fact that he took me out of my game. Yeah. And... Uh, God, I mean, I, I swear, guys, I can rem- I, I I can feel the punches mm. c- because I'm thinking about it, and I, I'm placing myself right back into that position. The punches were just incredible, and they were and they would hurt. I mean, he punched to hurt me, yeah, to get me out of to take me out of there. Take you out with every punch. With every punch, man. If you go back and watch the tape, he had this 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 look in his eyes like he was possessed, man. Mm. That's pretty scary. Even even <laughs> after the fight, even after the fight, you know, traditionally fighters both raise their hands. He pushed you even afterwards. Oh my god! Like that was real resentment there. Yes, you, I'm glad you said that because most people don't see that. Because when I raised my hand, he was saying, "How dare you?" Uh, because you know I won the fight. In fact, although fighters don't always say this, but I knew that I knew the fight was close. But I, I knew that I had lost something. Mm. Uh, I didn't I didn't use my hand speed. I didn't use my footwork. I didn't do this and that. But that's besides the point. Duran, you know, if I was a judge, yeah. Now, you just said something that was interesting to me. You didn't say, I knew I lost the fight. You said, I knew I lost something. I've heard people say, I lost something in the ring that night or I left a piece of myself in the mm-hmm. ring that night. Did you? Are you referencing that? He overpowered me. He yeah. he, he outthought me. Out. Mm-hmm. His his mindset was so 
stable. His mental stability was so amazing. And he he showed that boxing is more mental than physical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was and I was a I was a student learning. Learning the craft. Learning on the job. Learning on the job. Although I wanted to quit after the fight, I did. <laughs> I contemplated retirement. I swear. I, I retired a lot of times. But um, <laughs> no, I, I was hurt so bad and went back to my hotel. A doctor came in there to to draw blood from my ears because if not, they would have been caught. right? Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he threw punches. I mean, he hit me so hard in so many places, I actually... Looked around and said, "Who else is in this damn ring? <laughs> on this ring? I mean, gotta be somebody, somebody gotta else be somebody is in this ring. In this yeah, ring. yeah. It's, I mean, again, I, but I'm so proud. I mean, I'm not proud to have lost a fight, but I'm so proud to to have learned something so important. And again, that's mental stability. Yeah, for sure. Composure, because yeah. if you lose your composure in any facet of life, it's not going to be pretty. Right now, now, Mr. Leonard, you have fought." on some of the biggest stages and some of the most challenging fights. I mean, Marvelous Marvin Hagler mm-hmm. at 160. You went straight to him. You didn't take a tune-up fight. Tommy Hearns, when he was scary, like the equivalent to the boogeyman in the division. Roberto Duran, you fought these guys in their prime, in the weight class that made sense to them, no excuses, what was it like to to be fighting in that era where you couldn't really duck or dodge anybody? You couldn't blame it on this person is fighting for this network or our promoters are, are different. And I, and that's not n- no shame on the, on the fighters of today. It's just it's just obviously political divides. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't have that then. What was it like to know that you had to face that guy? I knew that when I was fighting the Hearns, the Haglers. Durans of the world that I was fighting the best in the world. You know, my whole thing was don't tell people how great you are or you're the best. Prove that by fighting the best. And I did that. I, I wanted that challenge. I wanted to to show what I was made of and who I was. So the fights with Duran, um, Tommy Hearns, Hagler, I mean, those guys were First of all, they were legends already made. They they were incredible, uh, just incredible talent. And I wanted a piece. I wanted a piece of them. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Did you take tap dancing lessons before one of the fights? I took tap dance lessons uh, prior. To, I mean, well, actually, during the the uh, uh, Roberto Duran first fight, I was after prior after, to. Well, you know what what happened. Um, I, prior to the fight, but then again, I, I was I was rehearsing, if you will, <laughs> during training camp, and I was doing. T- you know what? I'm not gonna make any excuses. I, <laughs> yeah, tell I'm, us like I'm trying. I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to throw something in there, but you guys not falling for that. Nah. But, uh, but no, I, but I did do a lot. I was tap dancing after my workouts for Duran fight one, and um, I wasn't as focused as, as I should have been or could have been. Mm. But then again, again, he won the fight, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, you also had Ray Charles sing before oh. the second fight. Okay, oh, yes. the reaction is already priceless. But yeah. you were named after Ray, Ray Charles. Charles. Yeah. Yes. So, what was the influence and line of thinking in order to have him perform prior to the second fight in New Orleans? 
You know what? The thing about it, when I got into the ring, I didn't know Ray Charles was singing. Really? No, I didn't know he was singing. But you had no idea? No, at all. Yeah, at all. I walked into that ring confident I was going to, you know, get my title back, Mm. beat Roberto Duran. And when I turned and looked in the next corner, it was Ray Charles, my namesake. My mother named me after Ray Charles. And I'm saying to myself, man, oh, the oh, stars, the stars have lined up, baby. You knew. <laughs> I, knew. I, I knew nobody was gonna beat you that no, night. Mike Tyson couldn't beat me that night. <laughs> I, I knew, and I looked at Durant and Durant, and I and guys, if you go back, Durant, he's like, uh, this is not, this is not my night. Yeah. He knew that he from knew the very uh-huh. beginning. And you knew it. I I knew it from the very and beginning. And it just put you in a mood. You had like an uh, an aroma about you. I yeah. was was I scared? Yes. I was I nervous? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I went there and the bell rung and I'm, then all of a sudden I said I got him. Yeah, I got the him. The first time I, the first punch was a, which was was a jab. I hit him. Yeah. And I knew I knew right. Guys, you can't have you have no idea what it's like when you take that long walk from your dressing room to the ring. Nine times out of ten, as, you know, you walk with confidence. But when you're fighting a guy of that magnitude, mm-hmm. of that, of that, who just beat you, the fight who just before. beat me, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what? I'm glad you said that. But I wasn't even thinking about him beating me. Wow. I walked to the ring like this is my job. Mm. I just been rehired. Mm. So I got into that ring with him, confident. And then when Ray Charles sang, oh, it was over. Baby. <laughs> it was over. Did you ever record with him? In the studio? I'm not that good, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, your mom said that you had a voice like Sam Cooke. You didn't, you didn't want to express those bagpipes? That was my mother. Okay? My, mother. <laughs> my, su- my mom says the same thing about she's me. Supposed about to say like, <laughs> she's supposed to say things like that. <laughs> okay. Right, right, right. All right but I'm these moments, guys, I swear, these moments in boxing, in my, in my history, is, I mean, words can't describe it. It can't justify what it's like mm-hmm. to have those hand, happy hands raised. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to ask you this. I get it. You, you're fighting Roberto Duran. He's a smaller fighter than you. You have the reach advantage. You can logically use your legs out boxing. Marvin Hagler, even though you're fighting him at a heavier weight class, you had your body had you know had some time to mend. He had just got out of a, a, a an amazing fight, the the fight before which you were witness. John the Beast McGovern. Exactly, and you saw it, and you said, you know what, he's a step slower. I can I can get him. What possessed you to think that you could beat Thomas Hearns? What made you think that you could beat Thomas Hearns at the dimensions that he was fighting at mm-hmm. yep. and the dimensions you were fighting at? I really want to know this. Um, I believe I felt I could beat Tommy Hearns. A hundred percent. Well, yeah, I think. Well, maybe ninety-eight <laughs> <laughs> percent. Tommy Hearns was a. Tommy Hearns was unlike anyone. A Tommy Hearns. Shoot. So a freak tall. of nature, tall. Long. But check this out, guys. When we made, when we hopped on the scale, because back then you weighed in the morning of the fight. Oh my god! And Tommy hopped on the scale. And he was emaciated. He was like, I mean, he was withered. He was. He still. They 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 actually held him up. He was that weak. I said, I'm gonna kick his ass. And you know, and then I hopped on the scale, but no problem making weight. 146. That night in that ring, when I got into the ring, I looked over in the other corner and I said, "It's a different person." That is not the same. One. That's not the same yeah. dude. And it's not the same dude. Yeah, because he hydrated. He, mm-hmm. he built. I mean, Tommy, 
And Tommy, Tommy was a freak of nature. I mean, Tommy's like 6'2", his arms longer than football field, knockout power in both hands. I mean, he was a beast, man. He was he was beast a beast with capital B. Yeah. Uh, and he that fight showed that fight had to demonstrate how much heart I had, oh, how much willing power I had. Oh yeah. It was all it was all mental. It was really mental and spiritual mm-hmm. in that fight. In the Hearns fight, and maybe something that we saw as a blueprint was he would always leave his left hand out and try to block a fighter's vision. But you can't you, repeatedly. But that you know what the thing about that he could do that. Mm-hmm. He could do. He was that talented. Tommy Hearns, without question, uh, and, he, and he even he's a better. He was a better boxer than people gave him credit for, because because if he had boxed Marvin Hagler, he would have won the fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it got emotional and heated in that one. Emotion. Yeah. Exactly. It got emotion. That's, it got emotional, mm-hmm. and that's what what that's what uh, took him out of the took fight. Tommy out of the fight. Yeah. Yes. So um, obviously we're here uninterrupted. Um, many athletes, as we know it, are more than an athlete. I think one thing that happened with you showing this late in the '80s was when essentially Muhammad Ali told you, "If you decide to turn pro, always to be your own man." Yeah. So the story is you had 24 investors put up a grand each on you. To help finance your fights, you made forty grand in eighteen minutes, and you paid back the <laughs> investors with eight percent interest. Yes. Why? Because I didn't want to be owned by anyone. Um, you know, I I heard and uh, I saw uh, that they said that Don King was not a good man, but Don King was a brilliant. Uh, uh, promoter, boxing promoter. But a member of your team walked out of a meeting with him, correct? Well, actually, I was there. Okay. Um, I know you talked. It was happening in New York. In New York I was at Don King's uh, uh, penthouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the bathroom, and and Don, it's okay, Don? Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Don, you know, gave him a bag of money, cash. And he didn't take it. My guy didn't take it, because if that had happened, I, I, would, I would be in a different scenario. Total, one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, getting back again to Don, Don King was incredible boxing promoter. Mm-hmm. So you've been, you've always kind of been able to do like these, these, make these brilliant boxing moves and moves outside of boxing. And I once heard that you. You what was it? You forfeited your purse, and you took ten percent of uh, the gate. Was was that is that the story? And, and you netted ten times more than what your guarantee was supposed to be. Uh, we're talking taxes, okay, guys. Let's, let's, let's change the subject, okay? Let's, let's change wait, the wait, subject. Wait, I have the story. You forfeited your guarantee in exchange for a percentage of the gate, and you made ten million as opposed to one point five. Okay, all right. Uh, so what was that fighter's name? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just curious, like where this business acumen came no, from. No, no, no. Uh, Mike Trainer, who who passed away, my, my incredible friend, uh, partner, attorney, everything. He was everything to me. Um, it was his brilliance. It was his his vision. Um, he he said, Ray, I don't know anything about boxing, but if you feel you can become world champion, if you feel that you're like that good, 
um, I would do the business aspect. And he did that. He did hmm. his share. And I did my share. Hmm. Clearly. So, so clearly, for these yes. young fighters out here, get with a good manager. Yeah. Somebody yeah. good. So here's my question to you. Um, when you were younger, you lived in a two-bedroom apartment, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, a couple of times. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, how did you manage with your siblings there, so much tight quarters? What was I going to say? I mean, what, what, I mean, I, I, I couldn't say anything. My, uh, it was a norm. It was a norm to me. You know, my, my father was a hardworking man. He, he wasn't necessarily a, an, an educated man, but he was a, a, a strong, decent man that took care of his family. My mom was a, a registered. She was a nurse. Um, uh, we did the best we could. You know, I, I never thought that I was poor because everyone around me were poor. We're living the same, we're living the same, same uh, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my parents gave me love, and they took care of all the other kids, my siblings. Uh, my life was wonderful as far as I was concerned. I didn't realize that I was poor until high school, hmm. pretty much. And how did that happen? How did you have that epiphany? Well, you know, I just I just looked at other uh, avenues. I saw people uh, with new cars. I saw people traveling. Mm-hmm. I saw people who dressed. I mean, I wore pretty much the same thing every day. It seemed like I was I would wear my older brother's shoes because I would go into his closet. Did you guys have the same size shoe? No, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a set like a seven and a half. I was like an eight. eight oh, okay. And yeah. And so, I mean, I look good, but I was hurting. It's hurting. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm not, I, I, I say these things, and I'm not being facetious, but, you know, those things, those things made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. I worked hard. I trained hard. I never gave up. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I always believed. I was so optimistic. I always believed that I would come out on top, no matter what right. the scenario was. Did you once fight your cousin over a girl? Oh, you guys didn't have to do all your homework. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, 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 did. I did. What's the I story? I, I don't remember. I can't. You, <laughs> you know, just remember I, who came out on top? I, I take the fifth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did your homework. Oh, of yeah. course. We have to. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you shared the same um, boxing trainer as Muhammad Ali. Yes. Angelo Dundee. Right. And I heard that he would show up two weeks prior to your fights. That, in fact, that was the contract. He would show up two weeks prior to the fight. Um, because I was trained by Dave Jacobs and Pepe Carrera, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jenks Moore. I mean, uh, I had my own trainers who were with me from day one. Uh, Angelo came in. In fact, Muhammad Ali told me, he said, uh, if, if you ever turn pro, uh, uh, get Angelo Dundee. He has to... The best uh, complexion and connection. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, he said that. He said that. He said I can that. believe it. You know, oh, I yeah. can believe that. Yeah. And he, I mean, he, Ali, I, I recall when I first met Muhammad Ali, um, I, I presented him an, an award for the Touchdown Club mm-hmm. back in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Because what had happened, the presenter, the original presenter, got sick or something happened. So they said, let's use, use this kid who's going to the Olympics. They said, who? They said, Ray Leonard. So I've never heard of Ray Leonard. Well, he's the future. Just and because of the time issue, they had to let me do it. And uh, I sat down at the table, and and I had this I had this tuxedo on, right? But 
they him the pants were him too high. Too high. So there was you know how that flooding a little bit. Flood, flood, there you go, flooding a little bit. Preparing for the flood. And I'm sitting there, and who sits down beside me? Muhammad Ali. Oh, and I'm and I'm like, oh my God. I'm sitting there. I, I didn't say anything to him. I put my head down. And then I noticed that all these utensils on the side and in front of me, up top. And at my house, it's just one thing, you know, spoon or fork. Yeah. So I was not going to embarrass myself. So I sat there and I kept looking at Ollie, kept looking at Ollie. And Ollie grabbed his bun and stuck it in the gravy. I ate it. I did the same thing. <laughs> I did the same thing. He Maybe was such too. an idol. He was, he was bigger than boxing. Yeah. And then he looked at me. He said, I, I heard about you. He said, uh, you, you like sex? I said, uh, <laughs> I said, sometimes. <laughs> he said, oh, so, so, so how long do you wait before you stop having sex before a fight? I said, uh, uh, I said, uh, two days, you're a bad nigga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, oh, that's priceless. True story, true story man. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know where that came from. But what, what is it? What was that like to have that kind of rapport with your personal idol? I, I was just, I just, I mean, he, I, I just looked at him and, and he, he said, you're you going to turn pro? That's what he told me about Angelo Dundee. Get Angelo Dundee. Mm. Uh, he said, you know, uh, you got to be smart. He said, uh, make sure you sign your own checks. Yeah. And I started signing my own checks. I mean, all these, he gave me things um, that would, would benefit me and my family mm -hmm. for years to come. I mean, it's incredible, incredible man, incredible fighter. Um, when he went to, uh, when he went to uh, jail, um, because of the um, drafting, the draft. most of us, maybe 99% of us, would not have turned out or relinquished our crown and turned no. our belts in, something we worked so hard for. I, I could, I could, I would want to do that, but I, I can't, I couldn't fathom myself doing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, mean, I mean, think about what it takes to, a championship belt, man, is, is like our identification. It's like an accomplishment very few people can, can claim. But uh, Ali, oh my God, I missed him so. I, I still miss him so much. And every now and then, I talk about him. I shed tears. I cry because mm. he meant that much to me. Mm. If it wasn't for Muhammad Ali, there definitely would be that Sugar Ray Leonard. Wow. Hmm. Now wow. he. What a lot of people don't know about this as well is that when he was drafted, quote unquote, he wasn't even really within the average age of people who were drafted. I'm pretty sure he was like 25, 26 at the time. The average age was about 18 to 22. So there was a weird little situation going on that they drafted him when he really wasn't even within the age group. Did you guys ever talk about him dodging the draft and what he stood for and what it meant to him to not go fight in Vietnam? You know, he, he, when, I, when I speak to Muhammad, when I spoke to Muhammad, I should say, he didn't go that deep. You know, he just was letting me know that he was a man, mm -hmm. you know, that he was, he was a champion outside the ring, mm -hmm. that he did things that could benefit others. And, and he was so special, man. He was so special, not just for boxing fans, but for the world. Right. I mean, really. 
Right. Yeah. Everywhere. 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 Everyone, everyone knew who he was. Everyone everyone knew who he was. For yeah. sure. He was the Michael Jordan before Michael no Jordan question. of sports. No question about that. Um, he said something, and there's a doc obviously going on right now that's produced by none other than LeBron James and Maverick Carter on uh, HBO, What's My Name, with Muhammad Ali. They're going through everything of his life. One quote that I remember is that he basically, it seems like, passed the mantle down to you, which at the time was pretty interesting because at least back in the day, it was all about the heavyweights, Yeah. right? So what did that mean when he endorsed you and it seemed like America rallied behind you being at 147 and not 200 plus pounds? Um, you know, I, at that time, I didn't know those things were happening. And although they, I, looking back in retrospect, I remember uh, some of the fighters' champions saying, you know, your Uncle Tom, mm. you know, you're trying to talk white. I mean, I, I got all these, all this negative feedback from certain people, or some people, I should say. And Are these writers or fellow fighters? It's, it's everybody, everybody. All, all across the board, wow. you know. Um, it was just, I, I didn't, first of all, when I first heard that, I was, I was like laughing. But as I got older and a little bit more wiser, I, I heard, I understood what they were saying that I was like Uncle Tom, or I was like this, and they said, you're trying to talk white. I mean, I, I tell you, uh, which I will do a movie pretty soon. I'm looking to do my life story pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you need anyone to interview us, by the way, or interview you, rather, yeah, you have our contact information. Will you cut your hair? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it's going to take? <laughs> 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 then we can negotiate that in my contract, my friend. Okay, okay. <laughs> But you know, it's. I wanted to be, I wanted to be again special. I wanted to be, like Muhammad Ali. He was special. Yeah. And I tell you, it's. You guys will make you guys will make me cry, um, talking about Muhammad. Uh, but he, God, it's it's it, he's everything to me. You've always been a fighter. You've always been an advocate. You've always been the person that people can identify as. This man is someone special. Like you said when you were a young man, I want to be special. Um, you have this foundation where you're doing such amazing work. You're shedding light and you're raising awareness and raising funds um, uh, for people to be aware of type one and type two diabetes, which means a lot to me personally. My aunt passed away from diabetes. Um, you made a very, very bold step and you spoke to some personal traumas that happened to you and now you're an advocate for uh, children's abuse. Do you ever have you ever thought about maybe boxing was just the vehicle to your philanthropy, right? Like you're such a huge mm. philanthropist, you have such a big star and presence now. Have you ever, you know, thought about maybe boxing wasn't the purpose? Maybe it was always to be a philanthropist. Um, that's very well put. Um, my philanthropy is through how I was raised. Mm. Uh, my parents always told me, "Don't forget where you come from." Um, I've always felt that what I, what I was able to do in that ring, I could possibly do outside the ring that with the impact, with a positive impact. Um, and I, I work hard and I, and I dedicate myself. Um, my foundation, Sugar Ray Leonard Foundation, uh, which my wife and I started some 10 years ago, has been just godsend. God, I mean, it's it's so incredible uh, 
of the incredible people, friends, and family members who are supporting me, who are, who made generous donations, uh, B-Rally uh, stepped in and became a, a, a part, a corner, part one of the guys in my corner. Because I always felt that, I look at boxing as a metaphor of life. We get knocked down. We gotta, gotta get, get back up. Gotta get back gotta up. Gotta get back up. Um, if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. Yeah. Um, you have to do your version of role work. My my role work was actually running. Yeah. Your role work could be your due diligence or, mm-hmm. or just checking and think something else out. It's all about fighting, and the only way we're gonna do this is fight as a team. Yeah. Together, yeah. collectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you, I mean, <sighs> diabetes. They asked me, so who's your toughest fight? Diabetes. Mm. Who has been, and he still is, my toughest opponent. Mm. But I, I'm not going to stop until I, until we, because it's all of us collectively, knock, knock it out. Yeah, mm. that's, that's such a wonderful message, man, because if you think about, you know, we don't have to talk about any political stuff, but mm-hmm. the political climate is in such a divide. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that more people like you with your stature should speak to that. You know, it, it's it's not just about diabetes or this cause or that cause, but the way you speak about we and togetherness and we have to actually come together um, as a collective if we want to see a better tomorrow for our children. Um, man, you know, there's, there's something that you you got that your generation of athletes got that I feel like, you know, everybody doesn't have, man. And it's, it's, it's such, it's so refreshing, you know what I mean? To hear you say these kinds of things because you could easily just, you know, live wherever you live, not be concerned with, you know, the ills of, you know, everyone else, but you really relate to the common man, that's special. Without question, I'm, I'm my, I come from very humble beginnings Mm -hmm. and I, I look at what, what has transpired in, in, in my life. Um, I, I want in fact, I'm also, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic mm-hmm. for 14 years. And the fact that, for me to say this right now, you know, on live radio, it's, it's I couldn't have done that some 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. Being sober for 14 years and going through that, that Congratulations, thing. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, because I, I talk to people, and that doesn't a, a day doesn't go by as I travel the world. I always end up talking to somebody who who's having problems with with alcohol or drugs, whatever the case may be. But it's it's we become so divisive. I mean, it's like you against me. Life is life shouldn't be that way. You know, you should have someone you can count on or, or converse with. Yeah, for sure. No question about that. With our young people, I mean, what they're dealing with today, they need help. Our kids need help. Uh, not just education, but they need to be humble and they need to reciprocate, to give back. Yeah, what you have is wisdom. Wisdom, right? yes. You have wisdom. You've lived a life. You've lived so many different lives, mm-hmm. right? You've always um, kind of fought for relevance and fought to define yourself and now you're fighting to help define other people you know what I mean and help them to define themselves I think that you know we get caught up in thinking that it's all about us and it's a a battle that we're fighting by ourselves Mm -hmm. but you can speak from that place of I've lived so many different lives and nine times out of Mm ten there's nothing that you're experiencing now that I haven't already experienced right yes and that that is 
you know, the, the level of, um, of wisdom and humility that you have that can change, you know what I mean, the yes, way a lot of yes. people feel and think. You, 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 you really put that in, a, in good perspective because, I mean, I, I even do motivational speaking. I've been doing it for many years, and I use boxing or fighting as a mm-hmm. metaphor because we are fighters, and we yep. have to continue to fight. And diabetes is one of those fights that we have to get rid of. Yeah. And sure. by the way, if you'd like to contribute and follow along with Sugar Ray Leonard's foundation, go to www.sugarrayleonardfdn.org. There's another question that I have for you. I've heard a lot of hockey players talk about this. I know, weird little segue there. But they've said that the Olympic gold medal has meant more to them than winning the Stanley Cup. Now, in relation to boxing, when you won the gold medal in Montreal, but then you also were a titleist, one of, I believe, only five boxers to win titles in five weight classes, which one to you meant more, winning a world title or winning the gold medal? They both had enormous significance. Uh, Winning the world titles in various weight divisions, that's, that's an incredible thing. Winning the gold, Olympic gold medal, because it's not about money. It's not, a, it's not about fame. It's about representing yourself and your country. Some people can say, a lot of people can say, I was world champion in, 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 in middleweight division, this and that. But very few people can say, I was the Olympic gold medal winner. Right. It just, that speaks volume. Mm-hmm. It's priceless. It's priceless. Now, Mr. Leonard, I have to ask you this. Your idol was Muhammad Ali. He wore white and black. You wore white and red. Was there any alignment with the colors, or what was the purpose behind behind the colors? I, that's just like a little personal question I always wanted to ask. I, I don't know. Maybe my it was dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I think my trunks were dirty. <laughs> just, I know that's you just, weird. Right? You just caught me on a, on, on a, another date. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I just. But you know, my my idols naturally was Muhammad Ali, yeah. uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, Bruce Lee, mm. and Elvis Presley. Bruce Lee, yeah, Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, oh my God, I I I see. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that. So he was an inspiration in your boxing career. Oh yeah, he was a major part of my. Uh, my career, my boxing career. Wow. Well, hang on a second. When we were covering a fight and we were talking to Nazim Richardson, trainer for Bernard Hopkins, mm-hmm. he was also talking about how we, we were having a very broad <laughs> discussion right on boxing. You and know he Brother Nazim? Nazim yeah, Richardson. Know, I, I yeah, yeah, Nazim, Brother Nazim. Yeah, yes, so he yes. was telling us how everyone in New York and Philly, they would be kicking Coke cans and they would be doing all these kicks. And they said, oh, boxing is going to die because, you know, martial arts is going to totally take over America. But then boxing never dies. It absolutely no. never dies. So it seems like it not only had an influence on those that are in MMA or any form of martial arts, but also on boxers as well. Yeah, box. You know, boxing is is first of all, it's an incredible sport. It's a poor man's sport, to be honest with you. It it has its little black eyes, if you will, no pun intended, black eyes. But uh, it comes back. It's strong. I mean, look at look at what's cre- look at what is cre- is created. I mean, with Mayweather um, making uh, you know three hundred million. I was gonna 300 say three hundred million. Yeah, oh, oh, and um, him fighting uh, O'Connor. What's the guy's name? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. You mean the crossover between two yeah, sports? Yeah, yeah. Only only Mayweather, could, Mayweather, L, L. McGregor. What's his name? McGregor McConnell. I keep forgetting his name. 
but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That and, guy. And then he fought that guy. And then he, when he fought that uh, that little kickboxer, right? Oh yeah, yeah. The over in uh, yeah. oh right in Japan. In Japan, Japan, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. But we million. saw that previously. We saw James Tony do that right in the early thousands. Randy Couture. Randy Couture. Randy Couture. Oh, Thank yeah. you very much. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Yes. But Muhammad Ali and that wrestler. He did that too. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. The, I forget his name. Jimmy Superfly Snooker was. Was it Superfly? I thought maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. We but yeah, be, we've seen this cross. I want to be respectful of your time, but uh-huh. I got to ask you this: What boxers? What current boxers do you do you enjoy? Who do you like? I like. I like. I like them all. You know, and I and I, because I don't want to leave anyone out, but oh, okay. I like them all. I mean, they they there's so put it this way, there's so much talent, natural talent, incredible talent out there. Yeah. That I can't wait to the champions fight each other. Yeah. They start fighting each Errol other. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford. All, all those guys. Yeah. All those guys. Yeah. Sean Porter's in the mix. You know what? I, I, we need to talk, man. Yeah. <laughs> we need to, yeah. You gonna beat me up? No, 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 no. What you tell I me? Mean, you, you, yeah, all all those names you just yeah. blurted out. Um, that, we had Sean Porter in previously oh, as well. Yeah. Oh, he's he's the best. Great, great guy. Yeah, awesome great guy. guy. Earl Spence. Earl Spence, man. I like him a lot. Yeah, we like him too. I like him. Canelo. Yeah, Canelo. Can, uh, Canelo's. To me, I feel like Canelo. I got Terrence and Canelo are my are my um, my top two. I mean, right. yeah, my top two yeah, in, in, yeah. The, in boxing right now. Right. Yeah. I kind of go back and forth on Canelo just because of the PED thing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't yeah. like the, the fact that he has yeah. that on his record. But with I the meat in Mexico, with the with the meat in Mexico, you know, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. But you can't you can't knock his skills. He's slick. The and he's improved slick. greatly oh, oh, year oh, after oh, year. You saw him in that Danny Jacobs yeah. fight. His defense is slick. His offense mm-hmm. is slick. Good stamina. Right. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's and you remember better. when we were watching him come up on the on HBO with yeah. Kermit Cintron and Matthew Hatton? Absolutely. We were like, we see something here, we but he's got to yeah. he's got to redefine his school yeah. his his tools a yeah. little bit. And he did. Yeah, he did year after year. He put in the work. But again, Errol and Terrence, those are those are two mm-hmm. those are two bad boys. I am looking at all four of you. And I'm saying these guys know this, you know this stuff. We live it. I'm very impressed, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you so much for joining us. The film is "I Am Duran." It premieres Tuesday, June fourth. Mr. Sugar Ray Leonard, thank you so much for coming in. Good. All right, man. We, we, you want to fight? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. That's what it was. We already knew that's what I'd it was. I'd love to. <laughs>